0: Greetings and salutations, everyone. It is a brand new episode of the Wind Up Podcast. I am your host, Mike of MTGA Wines, and this is episode 25. We're more than two dozen episodes into this. It is hard to believe. Uh, So excited the way it's been going. So excited for the feedback we've gotten and to continue doing this into the future. This has just been just a very selfishly a great outlet to hopefully take you into the world of what we do a little bit more and hopefully you have found some cool insights learned a few things and had some fun number one hopefully this has helped pass some of the time whether it's been a long drive or you're just grinding away at the home office whatever the case may be hopefully this has provided that little bit of relief and uh, avoided some of the monotony of the day-to-day that we can find ourselves in sometime so this is when i started this show we started off with a really kind of hard and fast introduction into the winemaking process. And we really haven't revisited that in a little while. And since harvest is basically a month away, maybe, I thought it was high time that we got back into it a little bit. Because we went through kind of the winemaking process, the aging process. We haven't really talked about bottling and anything just yet. We have talked about blending, but we had a lot of questions in last month's Q&A at the end of July that were very focused on this growing season, how it's looking and kind of our expectations for this year. And I answered those in kind of more of a short format, but I'd love to dive into this in a little bit more detail and with a little bit more, I don't know, pomp and circumstance a little bit. So with that, let's get into it, shall we? This season, to be completely honest, if I could, I personally, for the style of wines that I make, and I think for most folks, regardless of kind of the style that they lean towards, you could not ask for a better start to this season. You just couldn't. There, this is, it's been immaculate. I'm so excited. There are some pitfalls that are still ahead of us that we got to dodge. But realistically, this is arguably one of the best growing seasons so far that we've had in a while. In my humble opinion. The reason for that is very much the nice wet winter that we had. The reservoirs were full. There's plenty of groundwater for the vines. The growing season's just phenomenal. We have had to mitigate some mildew issues. We've had to mitigate a lot of weeds and undergrowth to make sure they're not stealing too many nutrients and supplies from the vines as they're growing. It has created extra work out in the vineyards, but work that you have to do to make great wine, realistically. So even though those things are present and we're having to put in a lot of labor out in the fields, that's okay because everything else has just been beautiful. Because right after those rains came through, it got sunny, it's warmed up, it has stayed very mild. We've had a very, very mild, actually a very typical summer, used to you know, very much what I was used to growing up with, was we would have these kind of nice mild springs. And then these summers we'd see, you know, the high eighties to mid nineties throughout the days, maybe a couple of days in the hundred degree range, but then it would cool right back down. It was just this nice ebb and flow. But more importantly, we would have these really cool evenings and mornings where even this last weekend, if you're watching this or listening to this on August 9th, the weekend prior, we had a couple of days in the valley where it was over 100 degrees. Not atypical for this time of year, but guess what happened is that as the evenings came in, it got back down to the 60s and the high 50s in those evenings. It's you know a 40 to 50 degree temperature swing and that's really, really helpful during this summer season. It gives the vines a little bit of a break. It extends the season a little bit more because it's not as warm. You get, in my opinion, a little bit more complexity, flavor development. And when it comes time for harvest, you can slow play things a little bit more. You do not have to be in a hurry, which is just outstanding. That would be lovely. I would love to have a year like that this year. But harvest is still a little ways away. We've got a few weeks, maybe a month, month and a half, depending on the grapes and Mother Nature and what she feels like doing. So what's going on right now? Status report for the grape growing season. Well, this is when typically, you start to feel a little tension in the air. The vineyard managers, the grape growers, the winemakers, everyone is starting to pay a lot more attention to what is going on in the harvest season. The best example I can give, this might be a silly example, is our Thursday night bocce league. In St. Elena? it's an institution because, I mean, let's be honest, you can play bocce with a glass of wine in your hand and that's perfect, right? Any sport where you can play a glass of wine with a glass of wine in your hand is perfect. And yes, I called it a sport because if curling's an Olympic sport, bocce could be as well. Let's be honest, all right? Let's be real here. But during this time of season, once you get through July, the crowd starts to thin out at bocce. And it becomes, because you have, it's kind of like our social night, basically, in town. It's, we all get together together, You hang out, there's a bunch of bottles of wine open, you're catching up, you're carrying on. But as the season progresses, less and less people start being able to show up. And once you get into August, it's noticeable. It's a lot more mellow. And it's because there's just so much additional work going on as you get closer to harvest. And even if you started harvest at a certain point, especially for the sparkling wine producers and whatnot, you're you're in the thick of it. And you just don't have time to play bocce on Thursday nights. You can't be a little bit hungover on Friday. you got a lot of work to do. So yeah, you end up, that crowd thins out. And once we start to see that crowd thin out in late July and into mid-August, you're like, okay, like it's almost here. You start talking to all your colleagues, your friends who are in the industry, and you start really getting a feel for where the season is going and what people are really thinking about it. And what we talked about at Bocce last Thursday, we got beat horribly. We played the best team, arguably, of the week. We held our own for the first game and then got obliterated the next two games, just the way it goes sometimes, you know. Luckily, we we brought enough wine to entertain ourselves for three hours, but when you're done in like an hour and a half, I mean, someone's got to sit there and drink that wine, so what are you going to do? That's what we did. But as my colleagues and friends and I were all sitting there rolling, having a beverage, hanging out, you start talking about just the subtle nuances of different seasons and harvests and kind of what this reminds you of or where you think it's headed. And for this year, I'd almost equate this year to like a 2012. It's, it seems as though the crop is really, really heavy. It's, I think it's going to be a bumper crop year. I think there's going to be a lot more fruit out there than people expect. I think that, you know, with this long, cool season, you know, that's going to really extend the season, which is going to be a little different than 2012. 12 was coming off of a very wet and rainy year versus this was the really wet, rainy year, but there was still plenty of moisture in the soil, plenty of water to be had in 2012, so it kind of set up the growing season. And the result of the 2012 season were these really big, sexy wines. Like the pitfall of having a bumper crop and a lot of grapes out there, is that they might not all ripen up evenly, and you might not get the flavor and concentration because the vines are just overly stressed. They don't have enough to put into all the fruit. So what you see a lot of times, and this is probably what some of us will do this year, is you'll see people drop fruit. They'll start cutting stuff off here and there. If they see clusters that are noticeably behind, both in flavor and chemistry, they're gonna start chopping those off and say, all right, we got to put everything into these other clusters that are on the vine. That way we get really, really good stuff, not just okay stuff from the season. That is very much going to happen this year. I can guarantee it. But I think, and what we're all talking about is this year has been, like I said, kind of immaculate. The biggest pitfall that we have going into this cooler, kind of longer extended season is what happens later in the fall because it's very close in our rear view mirror, we have fires that we could worry about. That it's something that is very prevalent. It's what we still talk about to this day is that, all right, if we have these big hot heat spikes and windy days in you know September and into October, we could potentially see a fire kind of roll through the area and completely bork our harvest again. If that doesn't happen, when you have these long seasons extending into late October into November, now you're getting close to what the rainy season has to offer. And if it starts raining on your fruit, now you're dealing with dealing with mold and mildew issues. Those are the two huge things that we are looking at. And you're kind it, it kind of feels like you're staring on the barrel of a gun cuz you're just waiting for it to go off. You're waiting for one of those things of this day and age to just kind of happen. And if it comes to pass that they don't You're going to see some of the happiest winemakers in Napa that you've ever seen before. It's going to be absolutely bonkers. The potential that this vintage will have if, knock on wood, if it doesn't happen. (laughs) Because it's going to be a perfect year. I mean, as perfect as you can ask for. I mean, nothing's ever perfect when it comes to wine, but it's going to be right there, right? There is one other thing. That is a little bit of a caveat into where this season could happen. And it's what we were talking about last year, where we had this giant heat spike after Labor Day into September, and it's pushing triple digits. And we're talking like 110, 115 for a week straight. And then it rains afterwards. I've told this story a couple times, so forgive me if if you're hearing it for the 10th time on this show. But that heat spike last year in 2022, it was rough. It was so rough because a lot of folks were out of water. They didn't have enough water to try and mitigate the heat. You had to pick early in that case, earlier than you wanted to. There are some folks that their fruit just started dying on the vine and turning into raisins, so they had to harvest during the heat. There were other folks that were able to wait, but then they saw the rain coming in. So they wanted to get stuff in before the rain, which means your grapes are dehydrated and the sugars elevated, but the flavors might not be there just yet. And then you had those of us that were able to actually get through all of that and pick after that weather event. That's kind of the, the third thing on our list that could throw a big wrench into what we do is just some sort of warm weather event. You know, we already talked about the fires. We talked about rain. We could have a really just a really hot weather event that really speeds things up or kind of screws things up out in the vineyards because this is what happened last year with that heat spike and a few people and what we've talked we've spent a lot of time at the bar talking <laughs> talking with colleagues about what shook down after this heat because I saw this personally with clients that I work with and you know I, I pulled the trigger on picking our fruit because I didn't really think there was going to be a lot more flavor development. We already had lost some fruit to raisining, we had already gotten through this heat spike and this rain, the fruit tasted great. Everything was kind of in a good range. It was like, let's get this in before we sacrifice anything more. Let's just do this and make the best wine we can, given that we have good fruit on the vine right now. After that heat spike, those that, some of those that did survive it decided, hey, well, we have water left, the forecast is like mid to high 80s, cool nights, cool mornings, let's just keep it going we can ex- now because that's like perfect picking weather i'm telling you what if you get to like that mid 80s range in the latter part of harvest into like you know mid october through you know the mid november before thanksgiving you can just kind of as a winemaker man you can just sit back and be like all right we're just gonna pick the fruit when it's ready we do not have to be in a hurry mother Nature's not throwing us any more curveballs after that heat spike last year we had some of the best weather we had had all season it was wild it just came too late because that heat spike shocked a lot of the vineyards and the vines in essence shut down you didn't really see any more sugar accumulation you didn't see a lot more flavor and complexity in the fruit the only thing you really saw was acids Uh, the acidity in the grapes was starting to take a little bit of a dive and the ph levels were going up that was really about it there was nothing really positive about letting your fruit hang for an extra few weeks last year this is a little bit of a generalization keep that in mind I'm sure there are some folks that that worked for but everyone that I've talked to personally anecdotally right it didn't really do anything the fruit that they had right after that heat spike once things had settled down was in essence the same that it was two three weeks later but you figure you have this beautiful stretch of weather you might as well give it a shot so no harm no foul there right But that's the shot you take. And since you have the weather forecast in the palm of your hand, you have a decent idea as to whether or not it's gonna be super, super risky or it's not. But that is what can happen with some of those heat spikes. That if we get an early heat spike, the vines get shocked, they shut down, all of a sudden, your fruit's just kinda hanging there. And it's not gonna result in anything super special necessarily. There's immediately, shortly after that, you're gonna see diminishing returns. You're just not from a the, from the longer season, you're just not going to get what you think you're going to get if you have that big heat spike necessarily. So that being the third thing that we have to worry about, that's kind of where we're at. Are those three things. That's what everybody is talking about this year. And of course we're comparing the season to prior years. We're talking about okay, well, the 19s were just so big and sexy, and it was this beautiful year. We had the 21s, which flavor development just took a long time. For some reason, the ripeness was there in terms of your sugar content, like the numbers were there, but the grapes were still green. So we had to wait until flavor caught up. And now you had to extend that harvest in 2021. You had the 2018s, which were these big, massive wines. And even more so, once you threw new barrels, threw those wines into new barrels, they were even bigger, even more massive, which is why the 18s kind of like packed this giant punch. You have the mid-2000s, which were these hot, dry years, lower yields, big flavors, lots of complexity, just solid vintages. Because drought years, as some of you may know, make for really great wine growing years because the vines are just stressed and they create this flavor and complexity. The downside is, is that your yields typically start to drop. So 2015, for example, we made maybe half the wine that we normally would just because there weren't enough grapes out there to do what we wanted to do. Just pure luck of the draw in terms of what we saw that season. And we go back all the way to something like 2012, which we talked about initially, where it was this big, sexy year, lots of fruit out there, everything ripened up the way we wanted to do good quality across the board and a season that really lined it up for us to just knock it down. And that's really what all of us are hoping for as we start our harvest preparations. Now, in preparation for harvest, there are a few things that go on other than just checking in on the vineyards. I mean, that is always a big part of it, It is something that I've started doing the last couple of weeks, is you simply drive out to your vineyards, you walk through them, you meet with the grower, the farming team, and you kind of see where things are at. You get a ballpark for when they think that fruit's gonna come in, what yields are looking like, if you're gonna be up, if you're gonna be down. And just make sure that their farming practices are doing what they they're doing what they say they're supposed to be doing, right? And that's kind of the great thing is that if you're buying fruit from anybody, and even if you own your own vineyard, is you get to manage it, right? You get to tell them, hey, this is what we're looking for. I want this kind of sugar level, we're looking for these flavors. I'm going to come out and double check all that. The farming If the farming looks good, you can go through and make sure that, you know, just double check their work. Always important. You want to make sure there's not a lot of second crop. You want to make sure they're pruning appropriately and hedging the vines uh, where necessary that there's not necessarily a lot of cover crop that's potentially stealing resources from the vines. You know, just like little things. You want to make sure it's not overcropped, that things will actually get ripe. You know, it's just one of these things. You kind of like just dot eyes, cross tees. That's where we're at this time of year. So that's what we've been doing for the last couple of weeks. It's just driving out, shaking hands, kissing babies, saying, hey, what's going on? How's the season going for you? What do you think we're seeing this year? How are you feeling about it? And you just, you get the temperature of the water. Really try and dial in exactly what to expect from this upcoming season. You're, You're basically just preparing. I talk a lot about Winemaking being a lot of preventative medicine. And this is kind of the start of that. It's just having that game plan start to formulate in your mind so that you know when fruit hits the deck, you got your work orders and you can just move forward, right? Speaking of which, there is kind of a way that we prioritize all this. Right now, the vineyards I'm checking in on, more often than not, are for our light reds and white wines because those are gonna come in first. Our reds like our Merlot or Cabernet, those aren't coming in until probably mid-September, even early October, especially this year since where this harvest has been pushed back quite a bit with the cool weather. Those are not even on my radar just yet. I've walked through the vineyards, they look good. I'm moving on and I'm focusing on the stuff that is going to be a priority in the coming weeks. This is no different than any other winemaking team anywhere is that you typically have your order of operations. Your sparkling wines, if you're doing sparkling wines, come in first white wine second, maybe stuff for rosé or lighter reds next. You get your medium bodied reds after that. And then your big bold reds after that, there's kind of this nice four or five step process that we producers go through and it lines it up for us. Like we just know, okay, I need these tanks for the white wine. Once the white wine's done, I can put that into barrel and then we can move on to our light reds and rosés. And then once those are done, we can start to put those to bed and then get ready for the next thing. And then the next thing, and then the next thing. So you do have this nice order of operations that as you're checking in on your vineyards and you're seeing the progress and where they're at in the season, you start to formulate that game plan for the next couple of months. And it's so important, in my opinion, to do that because once you're in the thick of harvest, you don't really have time to think. It's do or do not. There is no try. You are just in the weeds. You're sleep-deprived. You're working every day, long hours, and you just need to have it, you need to be able to line it up to knock it down. Uh, for those that follow me on, you know, the Instagrams or the Twitters or Zitters or Exeters or whatever Musk decided to rename it. I don't know how you're supposed to say it, but that's what I'm going with is, you know, I posted up a photo from last year of the whiteboard that I was using for all of our fermentations of the tank room. It's basically a, a bird's eye view, just a top down look at the tank room, and it's all color coded so that I know what was harvested and when, what stage of the process it's in, and what's been done to it, and how I need to basically interact with that fermentation to make sure it gets where it needs to go. So you have that game plan, excuse me. On top of that, there's a second whiteboard that basically has a list of everything that was going to come in, and a historical record of about three years of how much fruit came in from those vineyards. That way I know kind of based on the overarching trends like where these vineyards are gonna end up and how much, how many barrels I'm gonna need, how much tank space I'm gonna need, how many bins I'm gonna need, the whole nine. It's going to allow me to really dial in just all that preparation and say okay i have my marching orders i know how much fruit i'm processing how much i'm expecting here's everything else i need to do from the fermentation pressing and starting of the aging process once we get into the the barrel and into the cave it allows just very quick easy marching orders that way if i've gotten no sleep for like three days and i've been working just nonstop, I can just look at that whiteboard and be like, okay, here's the marching orders for the day. Here are the priorities. Let's just work through those. And then once we get through those, we'll move on to the next thing. It's just very, it's, it's monotonous is the wrong word, but it's, it's just like you're, you're marching down the road. It's just one foot in front of the other. It is that simple. At least we try and keep it that simple. There's always curveballs. Uh, We are definitely going to talk about harvest curveballs in an upcoming episode and just the craziness that can happen during harvest. Much like the hospitality shenanigans episode last week, we're going to get into like the winemaking shenanigans. Probably I'll see if I'll do that next week. See if we'll do that next week. We might save that one for early September, like once harvest is like really going. We'll see. More on that later. So now that we have all these marching orders, you know, how does this harvest thing like actually kick off? Like what really gets going? Step one is that as you've been checking up on your vineyards, you kind of know what fruit's going to be ready to come in. As we mentioned, it's typically your white wines and lighter reds, maybe rosés that come in first. So at that stage, you're setting up barrels, you're setting up tanks. At this point, and actually starting this week and into next week, we're doing a full, like we're just deep cleaning everything. This is the 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 joke that I always tell about winemaking is that it's about 50% just cleaning stuff. You're, you're basically a janitor half the time because you're going to spend hours, and I mean, hours and hours and hours just sanitizing and cleaning your workplace. That way you don't contaminate anything. Technically, we're a food processing plant. We have produce that comes in that we're creating wine out of. We need to make sure it's clean. So... That is like the A number one thing we do in August as we're getting ready for harvest. And even if we're getting ready for like a bottling run or anything, anytime wine is moving anywhere, we are sanitizing and cleaning every piece of equipment and probably then some that we use because we don't want to risk any spoilage. So that's the not so fun stuff that we're doing literally right now. Uh, As I'm getting for a bottling run in the coming week, as we're getting ready for harvest right after that. Everything's gotta be clean, tidy, and ready to rock and roll. That way we can just walk in and do the job we need to do. Like I said, it's, it's all about planning and preparing. Because if you walk in on, and I've, I've had this happen in places that I've worked. Uh, luckily, I, I try to be really good about cleaning stuff myself, but there are other wineries that I've worked in the cellar for where you show up the next morning and sometimes they do like a split shift. Like you cover the morning, they cover the night, you come back the next morning, so on and so forth. And I've come back in the morning and just been like, we have to clean, we have to clean everything for two hours before we can even start working. And that just bogs us down. Like the, the, this guy forgot to clean this pump and these hoses and we got to clean out this tank now. And it's just, it all of a sudden it snowballs. And now you're immediately a couple hours behind on your day it's not the most fun at all and you get frustrated really quick you have a short fuse anyway because you're exhausted you don't need that kind of drama in your life so preparation and preparedness is what we are all about come harvest that way if you get a curveball you can at least foul it off and wait for the next pitch right that is that is huge is the ability to just be able to you know all right that wasn't the pitch we wanted to see we're waiting for the one you know you know in the middle of the zone that one we're going to forget about that one we're just we're fouling that off we're moving on to the next one that that is that is an analogy that i use for harvest every year is fouling off pitches because there are going to be those days that just go wrong and you're going to have to be able to get that bat on that ball so that you can wait for the next pitch dead serious that's how it goes so in the process of cleaning and preparing everything, again, you're just, it's all your hoses, it's all of your pumps, it's the sorting table, it's the press, it's all your picking bins, it's your tanks, it is the cellar floor, it's your, your man, I've never, you should see me at the end of a harvest day. I, I can work a mean squeegee on a floor. It's, oh, it's killer, absolutely killer. You make sure all your drains are working, uh, that they're not clogged up, Uh, You're making sure that your tractors, your trailers, uh, everything is just queued up and ready to rock and roll. Because what you don't need is something you didn't check breaking down. It's that simple. You You just need to check a handful of things here, there, and everywhere to make sure that you can show up, do the work, and continue to move forward. That is basically what the month of August is for, if you're not making sparkling wine. The sparkling wine guys are always doing this a month ahead of time because they harvest so early. So just a mat, if you're making sparkling wine, you're doing this in July, basically. That's, that's typically what it is. You're just, your timetable is sped up quite a bit. For those of us that just make still wine, August is that month. You may have some white wine start coming in at the end of August. So you got to make sure that basically by Labor Day, maybe a little before that, you are set and ready to go. So right now, It is just a lot of cleaning stuff. It's a lot of checking and running equipment to make sure that it's gonna do the job that you need it to do. Because one of those things, even though you double check everything, triple check everything, something's gonna break. I guarantee it. Something's gonna break. Uh, A forklift's gonna go down, a pump's gonna go out, your glycol system, I mean, something, the press bag's gonna, it's just gonna be, there's always something. There is always something that goes wrong. And if you have all of your ducks in a row leading up into harvest, when that one thing goes wrong, hopefully you're fine. You can you can be like, all right, we're gonna fix that. Everything that we have other stuff that we can do. You delegate and you say, all right, we're gonna work on this stuff. We'll have this get fixed. And then tomorrow you just adjust. You can You can adjust on a dime. That's what it's all about. That is really what it's all about is being flexible and having those marching orders and that plan ahead of time. You do have crazy years, and actually this happened for us in 2018, where I mentioned kind of that harvest schedule, white wines, rosés, light reds, so on and so forth, and that typically covers about two solid months, maybe a little more, maybe two, two two and a half or three months, depending on how big of a production you are, or how drawn out the season is. This is definitely gonna be one of those years where it's gonna be a full two months if not two and a half or three for some people. It's gonna be a long season depending on what we see weather-wise in the next few weeks. But this happened in 2018 for us where all of our grapes, except a little bit, there's maybe like two tons of fruit that came in outside of this, but for everything that we were making in 2018, it came in in two days. It was like the, the first night, I kid you not, the first night of harvest was as follows. Our Merlot pick was starting at 11 p.m. that night. So that day leading up to 11 p.m., I'm getting everything ready. Uh, The day before, I'm also getting stuff ready for everything else that's going on. So we're talking the press is working, the sorting table's working, pumps, hoses, everything's lined up and ready to go, right? So we got a couple of days of prep, we're working all day. The Merlot pick starts at 11 p.m. That's going to take a few hours. I get there and make sure they're picking from the right spot in the vineyard, making sure they're not getting too many leaves and other stuff that shouldn't be in there. I talk to the vineyard foreman. I kind of figure out what their timing is and when that fruit's going to get delivered. That way, the next morning, I can kind of figure it out. It turned out that in this situation, I could actually bring the flatbed from the winery out, pick up this fruit and get it back to the winery like lickety split rather than wait for them to deliver it the next morning, which was music to my ears. I'm like, I got a busy night ahead of me. That's perfect. So I go out to the winery, I get a few more things prepped, I take the flatbed out, and bring that fruit back to the winery. By that point, it's about two o'clock in the morning. Perfect timing, actually, because I was making Riesling at the time. Our Riesling pick had started in Dry Creek at about 2, 2.30. So I was actually running a little bit behind. I wanted to be out there sooner, but them is the ropes. So I take same said flatbed and I haul ass out to Dry Creek. Leading up to that, I'd already dropped picking bins at all these locations. So they already have our picking bins that are clean and ready to go. That way they can just dive right into the work and I can get out there whenever I get out there to manage it and make sure that we're getting what we need. So I drive and luckily the Merlot is in St. Helena. So it's literally 10 minutes to get there. It's not that bad. Dry Creek, however, and especially in kind of the Northwestern section of it, it was like a cool hour and a half away. So starting at about two o'clock in the morning, I drive an hour and a half. I get there at about three thirty. check in with the winemaker. The fruit has actually already been picked. We were only getting two tons of, of Riesling, I think that year. So it was a relatively light pick, but it was, you know, you still got to get out there and check on it and make sure everything's good. So I get out there, everything looks great. Uh, it takes them a little bit because they're in the throes of harvest as well, getting stuff processed in the middle of the night because that's what you do. They load me up and I drive the hour and a half back to the winery. I get that fruit unloaded and I have to be back out. So, you know, it's three 3.30 by the time I get out there. It's probably closer to 5.30 when I get back given like the loading time and everything else, which works for me because guess what? My Pinot Noir pick was starting at 6 a.m. in Bennett Valley. So I'm just ba-boom, 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 ba-boom. Just one pick to the next, to the next, to the next. You know, all the the whole day before, that whole night. And then guess what? You get back to the winery. And this I was so thankful. I had a couple of friends that were willing to jump in and they helped me out. I was like, hey, I'm gonna try and be back to the winery by like nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, hopefully at the latest. If you can get out there and get our white wine, that Riesling into the press and start just filling barrels, that's all I need. The red, the reds can wait, but get that stuff, get the white wine into the press and into barrel. That way it's, more st- it's safer, more stable. It's not gonna degrade as much. Like that's the one thing. So s- shout out to my lovely, better half, Brittany, Suzanne Tate. And there was somebody else that I can't remember. I think there were three people that helped uh, that all came out and just helped get the work started because guess what? You work the entire day before all night. And guess what? You got another full day's worth of work ahead of you because you now have now all the fruits at the winery. Now you get to process it. Now you got to get fermentation started. Now you got to get all this other stuff done. And it was, that was probably the craziest harvest schedule i had ever had. In terms of picking schedule It was just boom, 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 boom And the next night I had to go back out Get more Pinot Noir and then come back The next night was a lot lighter But that first night was just brutal Absolutely brutal uh, We had Cabernet come in Actually at about the same time then. Like, That was like two days later I think A little a smaller pick because we were only making a little bit of Cabernet at the time But shoot, it was crazy Absolutely crazy And that's the kind of stuff that you need to be prepared for Right, long, long story longer That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about where we have all this preparation that we do leading into harvest and that's why. Because if everything condenses and you have that heat spike and stuff needs to come in or just everything's ready at the same time, you can go. You can just put pedal to the metal and make it happen. If you're not ready, I mean, it's, I've worked with some folks in the past that have simply, not been prepared to call a pick, to get fruit in and make work happen. And doing that on a dime when things are not ready is terrifying. It's just, you're just shooting from the hip and you're hoping that your quick draw is really accurate. Like really, really accurate. That might sound a little bit extreme, but again, when you're that exhausted, when you're that worn down, when things go awry and you have to act quickly you better be ready to do the work cuz if you're not you're just you're up a creek without a paddle and that ripple that can ripple through the rest of harvest because of how things back up in the cellar it, you know we're very lucky that you know productions like us and other small producers where it's a lot easier to turn on a dime and adjust if you're crushing hundreds of tons thousands of tons of grapes, there's more of a schedule that you need to maintain because if you don't start picking, you'll never finish picking. If you don't start pressing at a certain point, you're not gonna have tank space for the next stuff that comes in. It becomes very, very complicated, very, very fast when it comes to the processing of fruit, the fermentation and getting stuff into barrel or into tank for aging. It gets crazy really, really fast. And that, my friends is what we are looking forward to in about a month's time is all that madness i am so excited the harvest is just it's i always consider it my new year because you're just starting with your raw materials and you're thinking all right what can i do with this in a year two years three years where is this fruit going to be where are these wines going to be and how can i create the best version of this wine from this vintage, taking into account everything that we just talked about. It's gonna be just outstanding. Very, very excited. All right, without any further ado, I recycled the bottle. I've been so bad about remembering the bottles for our wines of the week. This one is a fun one because this was actually a place that we went on my bachelor party years ago. And it was a place that I had never heard of, Uh, Something that I was very excited for because it was going to be kind of an owner-winemaker type of experience, which I always key into because I can ask all my nerdy questions. Uh, But it's a vineyard by the name of Native Flora. Uh, We were actually wine club members up there for quite some time. And it's a very geeky style of Oregon Pinot Noir. It's this gentleman uh, that I believe he and his wife, or both of them, or one of them worked in finance or something back east. They decided to come out and start making wine in Oregon. Uh, they planted grapes where you never would have expected to plant. They started working with varieties and clones that you know people didn't really expect to work and they've just been doing their unabashedly their own thing and the wines are good. I uh, they are I always have a few in one of the fridges behind me because they're just any time I just need like that good glass of Oregon Pinot, that's what I lean on. Uh the wine that i had was there just in time i believe it was the 2015 vintage something with a little bit of age on it and it was just it was perfect it was a perfect i put my feet up on the couch i watched a couple episodes of suits and then i went to bed it was just the perfect like nightcap to the end of a long day and sometimes that's just what you need you just need that wine that's like i'll line it up to knock it down kind of like a diesel engine it's just gonna go it's just going to go as long as you take good care of it. And that's how what I feel about their wines is that if you're looking for something just a little bit different, their wines can be a little bit more austere, a little bit more structure to them. Uh, given that this one was a little older, that had smoothed out and really rounded out really, really nicely. But if you like, I mean, I compared a lot to actually the style of Pinot that I make is that it's it just has these really bright fruit characteristics, lots of structure and acidity in the wine. Very solid on their own, especially during these warmer summer months. Fine with food if you decide to do a food pairing with it. But native flora uh, up in Oregon, um, I will put a link to their website, of course, into the description. So if you want to look them up, try out some of their wines. Please do. They were they've been they've treated us very well over the years. So. Thank you all so much for tuning in for another episode. It's been a blast. As always, please have a very enjoyable rest of the week. Uh, Don't forget to share the podcast, subscribe. uh, Anybody who you think would enjoy a little bit of the content that we're kicking out, Uh, please remember as well that in the comments section and on our website, if you want to submit any questions, for our August Q&A. That'll happen the last Wednesday of the month. Uh, we are gonna kick out the August question and answer. If there are any burning questions that you wanna have answered regarding the wine industry, the hospitality industry, harvest, grape growing, winemaking, whatever the case may be, leave them in the comments. If you go to our website, mtgawines.com, there's a form towards the bottom of the homepage there where you can submit things via email as well. Uh, that way we can answer anything and everything that you're curious about when it comes to wine. So. Have a great rest of the week. Cheers. We'll catch you later.